Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day everybody. Uh, time is almost up to come to the Amazon Collective Mastermind that Regina and I are holding in June. Uh, only a few short weeks to go between the 18th and the 22nd in beautiful Ubud, Bali. And of course, you'll be joined by our invited VIP guests, Kirsty Verity, Leo Segovio, Bradley Sutton from Helium 10, and Steve Simonson. And our amazing sponsors are Payoneer and Intrepid Advisory. Now, to apply, simply head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash collective, where you can read all about the trip and apply to join. Today, Ben discusses how he went from a heart scare in 2016 to building a brand from scratch that in 2019 was turning over $6 million per year before he exited. And now he's building a new brand and he'll be launching his first product on Kickstarter in December of this year, 2023. So if you want to follow along, head over to www.benleonard.pro.chris. And if you'd like a copy of his new book that we spoke about in the podcast episode coming up, that's due in October this year, you can join his waiting list over at uh, www.benleonard.pro forward slash book. Look, seriously, Ben's an amazing entrepreneur and I hope you enjoy our chat today. Now, don't forget to join my Facebook group. Head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Facebook. Still offering private coaching only for a few more weeks before I go to Bali and then after that I'm off to Europe for a holiday. So just head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash Chris to book an hour session with me. And if you own or work for a consumer products brand and need some help setting up or running your Amazon business, feel free to get in touch. I've got an agency. It's called amosphere.com.au and we're an official Amazon service provider. Anyway, let's get on with it. today's episode with Ben Leonard. A one, two, three. <laughs> I saw today that Danny McMillan's interviewed you recently and Adam Rumquist uh, recapped your your uh, speech that you put together at Seller Sessions recently in London and you've just told me off air that you're coming to India as well in October of this year, 2023. So uh, you are starting to, and you're in Vietnam as well with Megalon, yeah. which <laughs> there's just so much going on for you right now, but I do want to dive into your backstory. But um, before we get into that, do you want to introduce yourself and say hello? Sure, yeah. Uh, so hello, um, <laughs> I'm from uh, I'm from northeast Scotland. My accent doesn't necessarily give it away. My accent's a bit of a mishmash. Born in England, raised in Scotland, from an oil town. Uh, so Aberdeen in, in Scotland is like our version of Houston, but less sunny. Right. Um, and I got into e-commerce back in 2016. It was a bit of an accident. Uh, I had a heart condition. Mm. I, I'm fine now, but um, for a period of time, I was signed off work. Uh, on a, a cocktail of drugs and unable to take part in my fitness hobbies, boxing, CrossFit, lifting weights, running around like a maniac. Yep. And during that time, I needed something to do. And I it, that was the catalyst that gave me the kick up the bum to go and start my fitness brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I would sell these products into gyms. Right. And while I was developing them, I realized, oh, that's not such a good idea. I should sell these on the internet to direct to customers. And I discovered two things. I discovered Amazon mm-hmm. for third-party sellers, and I discovered uh, the Shopify platform that meant that idiots like me could build a really good website. <laughs> and it turned out I was quite good at e-commerce. Um, mm. I grew that brand, and after three years, we were doing about $6 million US dollars in annual sales, mm-hmm. and I sold it. And now I'm building, still building brands because I love it, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm consulting. 
I'm speaking and I help others to sell their businesses as well. So quite a few hats and it's all, it's all good fun. It's a great industry to be in. Isn't it just so this brand that you built, I think it was beast ropes. Is that right? Be beast ropes. Is that the brand? So uh, the the brand was called, it still is called Beast Gear. And Beast Gear, we had a, a, a range of jump ropes, which were the, the Beast Rope series, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what got you into that, apart from the fitness stuff and selling those? Did you source those? Oh, I'm asking too many questions in the same question, but how did that begin? Like, where did you source them from? Let's start there. Sure. Well, so the, the origin was I, I, I was not well and I was looking through my gym bag my training gear kind of sadly unpacking it and remembering that the jump rope that i had been training with had not lived up to my satisfaction i guess and i thought i could probably do a better job than this and my my then girlfriend now wife was studying and i was needed something to get my teeth into a distraction and i thought well why don't i try and make a better version and you know i basically googled my way to finding contract manufacturers and collaborating with them mm. on what I what I call a Franken product, right? Kind of like a Frankenstein product. So yeah. I didn't have the money to develop a brand new design from scratch mm-hmm. with with CAD drawings and molds and all that fun stuff. Yeah. What I could do is take off-the-shelf products and off-the-shelf components from manufacturers and say, test them out and say, right, I like this bit. I don't like that bit. Can we make that bit longer? And what if we change the shape of this? And doing that to create this Franken product allowed me to improve on what already existed, create something relatively unique, but at low cost. Mm. And so that's how I got into the first product, which was a, a jump rope. And yeah, I was I ordered those from a manufacturer in China. Mm-hmm. All right. So that then lands in the UK. Are you then running around to various gyms and things trying to sell it at that point? Or had you already discovered Marketplace yeah. and you weren't? Okay. I'd say, so the first, it was the first prototype that came. I was taking that to trainers and coaches in gyms in my city, Aberdeen, mm-hmm. um, and, and showing this to them and hoping that they'd say, oh, yeah, I'd like to, to place an order of these for my clients and, mm-hmm. and whatever. Mm-hmm. That was a really, uh, you know, it was not something I had any experience in. Mm-hmm. And there was one coach in particular who was quite scathing towards me and my product. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a, a baptism of fire, I guess. <laughs> and, and then it was whilst I was browsing forums. In fact, I believe it was a subreddit that I heard about this thing called third party selling on Amazon and this program that Amazon had called FBA fulfillment right. on Amazon. Yeah. And I realized, oh, this is what I've been looking for. This is going to be much better. I can reach other people just like me who are searching online for a product that solves their problem and I can sell it to them. Cool. Uh, okay. Oh, just to go back one step here, a jump rope, I'm assuming, is a skipping rope? Is that what it's we're talking about? It's a skipping rope, yeah. simple- so we, okay. we call it a skipping rope in the UK, but yep. I guess I speak up. There's so much of the audiences from the US yeah. and Canada that I'm, I'm so used to saying jump rope now. <laughs> well, a lot of my listeners are from Australia, so yeah, just to be really clear on that. We'll go with skipping rope then. Yeah, it's called cool. skipping. All right, so, so you've discovered Amazon. Uh, what are the next steps then from this point? Like you obviously set up an Amazon seller account. Yeah. What was that like to learn how Amazon works and, and get the brand going on Amazon? It was, it was great. It was great fun. So I, I had a, a disadvantage and an advantage. The disadvantage was I had no business experience, no product development experience, no marketing experience. But the advantage I had 
over some people is that I do have a background in science. So my undergrad was zoology, my master's was ecology. Mm-hmm. And in science, we, we have a hypothesis, we test it, mm-hmm. we analyze the data, we tweak something and we go again. Right. And when you apply that to business, suddenly this sort of haphazard, um, fly by the seat of your pants, learn as you go approach becomes a bit more uh, methodical mm-hmm. and informed. So the whole process of growing the business was based on that. Um, and I guess the other angle was that because, you know, a lot of people around about this time, this was 2016, they were discovering selling on Amazon and they were seeing it as uh, find a tool that tells you a product that has uh, low competition, mm. not too many reviews, but they're selling well and then make something, slap a logo on it and sell it. Yeah. But because I had always come at it from a point of view of build a brand, mm. like I was building my brand before I even knew you could sell on Amazon. Mm-hmm. it meant that when I did get on Amazon oh, I just did what made sense to me right we'll launch this product okay now what what's the next problem the same person has okay we'll, we'll launch a product that solves that problem I was just create a range of fitness equipment that solves problems for this this group of people or, or in my case there were kind of like three subgroups we had like boxing fans strength fans and crossfit fans yeah and develop great products for them and that's kind of how we how we went Nice one. So how did you launch the products then or, you know, create the listings where you're doing, you know, keyword research or any of those using tools to sort of find out what the best keywords were for your product in certain marketplaces that you were selling or? Absolutely. So my approach to listings, whether that's on a marketplace like Amazon or Walmart or whether it's um, a sales page on a website is, is this. Um, first of all, write a great listing, write great copy and completely ignore all keyword tools. Just write something for your audience. Perfect. Then go to the tools and figure out, is there anything that these tools are telling me that I missed? Oh, I see they suggested this. That makes sense. I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. And can you put that into your listing in a way that isn't like just shoehorning it in yeah. and keyword stuffing, but that makes sense? Mm-hmm. And then anything left over goes in the back end. Perfect. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because it was around about this time, in fact... I placed my first order for, for the Beast Rope, right? 500 units. Mm-hmm. I borrowed some money from my dad and I put in some of my money and these were on a boat from China to the UK. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to e-commerce podcasts and I found a great one called uh, The Amazing Seller by Scott Volker. Yeah, like, Scotty. Yep. The original. The, yeah, the original. It was. I love the guy. Yeah. And um, he and others were talking about these fantastic tools, which mm-hmm. could tell you quite a lot about uh, what was going on on Amazon. And one of those tools was Jungle Scout. That's right. And that was like the pioneer in that space. It's the original, yeah. It was, before Helium 10 and all of that. Mm. And I had a look at what was going on with that tool, and I suddenly thought to myself, uh-oh, uh, I've ordered a dud. This was a mistake. Yeah. Because I fell for the, for the whole, it's too saturated thing. Mm-hmm. Without realizing that that didn't really apply to me so much, because everybody else who was selling a skipping rope like me at that time were selling me too junk yeah whereas i was building i'd a developed a higher quality product by going through a product development process yes and b i was building a brand with a back-end experience for the customer and building a relationship with the customer and marketing it like a legit consumer packaged goods brand mm. so those rules didn't apply because all my competitors were like stuck in this amazon goldfish bowl of just yep. like slap a logo on it and try and be on a hamster wheel to get the next sale mm. whereas i was building a, a bunch of fans but at that moment, I panicked and I was like, oh, no, I've ordered a dud. What do I do? 
And Scott had this great feature on his show where you could phone up or you could go on his website and record a voice clip. That's right. And he would play that on his show as a question, and then he'd answer it. And so I, I basically had this uh, this voice clip. I wish I could remember the episode where I was panicking, like, "Oh my god, I've uh, I, I've ordered a dot. You know, what do I do?" And basically said, "You know, don't panic. You, know, you can put your price down, sell through your, your inventory, and get get your money back. You'll be fine." Yeah. And so I was like, "Okay, cool. I'll do that." And then when the product arrived, I thought, "Well, I'll, I'll give it a go." Hmm. And I I needn't have worried because for all the reasons I just mentioned, actually things took off and did fine. Hmm. So, you know, I think the moral of the story there is tools are great, but they're only tools. They're a part of your toolbox. Mm. And you shouldn't just rely on these tools to inform absolutely everything about your business. Totally agree. Let's go back again then. So did you have a Shopify store at this point? I'm assuming you did. At the very, very start, no. I had a WordPress site. Okay, that's fine. And I was planning to use the WooCommerce plugin. And then I approached a web developer and said, can you help me improve my WordPress site? He said, no, we're going to go to Shopify. Okay. And that was the correct decision. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, and so very shortly after that, um, so I launched the, fir- the first part, I launched on Amazon and I didn't have my own site. We had a site to help us with brand registry, but we weren't selling on that site. But shortly after that, a few months later, I guess, we yep. were able to sell through our own website. Yeah. Awesome. And then in terms of the audience, you were saying that you were kind of building a brand, building fans, bef- you know, as, as you were building things on Amazon. What were mm. you doing there? Was there anything sort of social that you were doing? Like, did you have a social audience, like an Instagram yeah. following or something? Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah, totally. So it's really important, I think, for e-commerce business owners to create a, a following of, of customers who, who know, like, and trust your brand and consider that you're an authority on a topic and become engaged with your brand so that they'll be there to buy the next part of the you launch. Yeah. And so to me, it just kind of made sense. It, it, it wasn't really rocket science. I kind of thought, well, I, you know, how do I feel about the brands that I love? Mm. And what do they do to make me feel that way? What, what do they have in terms of not just like a listing on Amazon, but mm. what, what non-Amazon assets do they have? Well, they've got social media channels. They're on YouTube. Some of them even have a podcast. They're messaging their customers on uh, messenger chatbots. Some of them are even messaging them on WhatsApp. Yep. So I just started to, to do the same. I just thought, well, okay, I'm, I am building this on a laptop in a cupboard. But apart <laughs> from that, you know, it's still a brand, right? You know, yeah. it, the only thing difference between me and Nike at that point was stable. Yeah. So we started to engage with our customers. So customers would photograph themselves with our products. Mm-hmm. And when they did that, we didn't just like, like the photograph on Instagram, but we would engage with them in the DMs, mm. build a relationship and show interest in their life. Yeah. Talk with them about their training and where they were from and could we answer any questions and then offer them a discount on something on our website. Yeah. Suddenly we've got the email address of that customer who was previously on Amazon. Uh-huh. Now we can email market to them yeah. to launch new products, whether that's on or off Amazon. We could even in the DMs tell them about a new product launch and say, hey, well, just look, it's half price right now while we launch it. So just go search for this. Yeah. They go buy it. Suddenly that's giving a ranking juice. Yeah. Track that in a Google Sheet and 10 days later ask for a review. Yeah. Uh, and the big boys weren't doing this because they either hadn't thought about it or they thought that it was um, not not possible to do at scale. Yeah. But it was because I was doing this at scale when we were doing millions of dollars in revenue. What we were doing was we were building templates and systems and processes and giving that to a team. Yeah. So it's all about building relationships with customers and giving them a real experience and making them feel something about your business rather than it's just a thing they bought on Amazon. Yeah. Because that means then if they've bought product A from you 
when it's time that they need product B, they'll buy it from you. That's right. And they might they might go get it on Amazon or they might get it on your website. It doesn't really matter as long as they no. get it from you. That's right. Whereas if you haven't built that relationship, they're just going to go search for product B and they might buy it from you, but they might even have forgotten that you even made product A. That's right. Right? Mm. And so they'll just buy anything. So what was the split then at that point between the website sales and Amazon sales? Well, Amazon was always the vast majority of sales. Mm. And here's why. Uh, everybody's on Amazon. You know, it is enormous. <laughs> the purpose of the website was not ever to take sales from Amazon, but to, when we can get sales on there, great, because they're more profitable. But it's to legitimize the brand, build a relationship with our customers, and provide them with helpful, compelling, engaging, useful, free content. Yeah. The other thing to note is that we were on Amazon in the UK, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, the Middle East, and Australia. Wow. But our website only served the UK. Mm -hmm. I, I did have plans to expand that, but then I sold the business. Mm. So I think it was something like 95% Amazon, 5% website. What was really important, though, and we would see this all the time, is let's say we went out of, you know, I say all the time, not all the time, because we didn't always go out of stock. But let's say we went out of stock on a product, or for a day or a day, uh, Amazon took a product down due to um, NCX issues, which yeah. you see occasionally. You have to put in a little yeah. um, plan of action, and they put it back up. We N would see NCX, there. by the way, sorry for anybody that's listening, NCX is negative customer experience, and sometimes listings can get shut down if yeah. they have too many customer so, complaints. Yeah. Sorry, totally. Mate. So we actually, you know, small side note there. Um, I'm sure other people have experienced this. We would have products that repeatedly got flagged for NCX, even though the star ratings were like 4.8. Hmm. What was happening was they were products with size variations, and people would would return or swap the product, and they'd be completely happy. They'd just say, "Oh, sorry, it's the wrong size. Can I get a different one?" Hmm. But Amazon's system would still flag it. Yeah, and they would um, remove the listing anyway. If we were ever out of stock or had a product down for NCX, we would see an uplift in sales of that product on our website. Because we built a legit brand identity, hmm. people were searching for our products. They weren't just searching for any products. Mm -hmm. So we knew that if anything terrible happened and our entire Amazon account went down, it wouldn't necessarily replace all of our Amazon revenue. Of course it wouldn't. Mm. But we would be okay. Like our website was there to mop up the people who were specifically looking for our brand. Mm. And I was also spending very little on, on a paid advertising for our website. And I knew that I could dump money into that to drive sales on our website if Amazon went down. Yeah. You mentioned that you uh, were getting people following you on social media, on Instagram, et cetera. Did you have a strategy around how you migrated Amazon customers to social media? That way, like, yep. were you using like product insert cards, or what were you doing to sort of get people yeah. off Amazon, and then, you know, as you said, uh, start getting into DMs and and things like that, and then yeah, eventually get so, their email address. Yeah, completely. So what people have to remember, people often worry about terms of service, and you should you should be aware of terms of service, but ultimately, Amazon is just a sales channel, and if you buy a product from Sony or you know whoever on Amazon, some large household name, yep. do they have information on their insert and their packaging telling you about their warranty? Yes. Is there URL on there? Yes. Have they got their social media links on there? 
Yes. There's nothing wrong with doing that. No. You can't go on there and saying, if you're happy, leave us a great review. And if you're not happy, don't. Right? You can't yeah. do that. No. We all know what you can and can't do. But absolutely, in our inserts, we would encourage people to post on social. We would even have an, in, an incentive. If you uh, share a photograph of your product, you'll get entered into our monthly prize draw, for mm-hmm. instance. Yep. In actual fact, we probably didn't even need to do that because we had a very photogenic product, the, the type of thing that people like to share on social, you know, mm-hmm. a fitness product. Works well for food products, any hobby, anything like that. And people like to share on social because they want attention. That's what social media is for, it's for getting mm-hmm. attention. Absolutely. It's, it's, it, and so, yeah, uh, customers would post on social and we would every day, multiple times a day, our team members are searching for our hashtags, searching for people who've tagged us with our actual handle, just typing in our brand name and our product names and finding the people that have posted on, about us, mm-hmm. commenting on their posts with an insightful comment, not a generic copy paste thing mm-hmm. and DMing them and yeah. sparking a genuine conversation that I mentioned. Take Authentic. 30 seconds to browse their profile. Yeah. Authenticity. Mm-hmm. And build a relationship there. And A, get a review. B, offer them a discount on our website. C, save the post to a collection. Here, here's what you do there, right? This, is, yeah. this works great. By the way, this works on Instagram, but any channel as well. So we had fans uh, of ours who were into strength, boxing, and fitness. Yeah. And we had customers right across the world. So let's say you, Chris, have just posted a picture of yourself with my weightlifting straps. I would save that to strength australia okay two months later i'm launching a new strength training product let's say it's a weightlifting belt in australia mm-hmm. yeah i come to my strength australia collection and i've got say 20 posts in there i click on each post click on the username reopen the dms and pick up the conversation yep. or my team member does hey it's been a couple months i saw your post last week of that video of you uh, great squat personal best good effort blah blah yep. blah spark up a conversation by the way, our new weightlifting belt just launched in Australia. Would love to get some buzz out there about it. Would you like to get it at, at, at half price? Um, that's that's cost price to us, but you're a big fan, so I'll do it for you. You're like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, great. Here, here, here's all you have to do. Search on Amazon for this. Give you the keywords. You yeah. don't even need a discount because yeah. the price is slashed. Off you go and get it. I track it in a Google Sheet yep. and come back 10 days later for a review. Free launches the work. Reviews that stick. Because I've taken the time to build a relationship with you that my competitors have not. They're just stuck in the Amazon goldfish bowl. It just makes sense. It does. It makes a huge amount of sense. Uh, I think Lynn, who you met and hung out with in Vietnam, uh, had a very similar approach when she was building her yep. brand. In fact, she's still doing the same thing today with, with her amazing brand as well. I've forgotten the name of that episode number of my interview with Lynn, but uh, I'll pop it in the show notes at the end of this episode, which, by the way, is episode 142. So if you go to the AustralianSeller.com forward slash 142, you can uh, pick this conversation back up as well. Moving on then, so we're building the brand. We've got the whole show up to around $6 bucks a year. You're selling on all throughout Europe. You're selling on yep. uh, what, was the, what was the other one? It was Australia, obviously, and then there was the UAE. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I was one of the first into Australia and the UAE. And then what about, you know, North America? What was happening over there for you? Well, we hadn't gone there yet. Um, it, it is oh. a big regret, big regret, the wrong word. It's with the benefit of hindsight, I should have gone to the US. I didn't. I started in the UK. Remember when I started, I had no business experience because it felt normal to me to start in the UK. Like I'm from the UK. Mm-hmm. I'm starting a brand. That's right. I'm going to sell yep. gyms in the UK. Oh, I could sell on Amazon. 
I was in Dakota, UK, right? I, it felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think it was. But what I should have done is shortly after I expanded into mainland Europe, I should have then gone into North America. Instead, I thought it would be good to be first into Australia and start dominating there. And I thought it would be good to be first into the Middle East and dominate there. Um, what happened was the launch of Amazon in Australia was a complete mess. Because <laughs> yeah. um, they invited sellers from Europe and North America into Amazon Australia. That was fine. Yeah. But there was one huge mistake. If you brought your listings from North America into Australia, the review is ported over. If you brought your listings from the UK or Europe into Australia, they did not. Mm. So immediately, I'm at a disadvantage to all these American sellers who are turning up with thousands of reviews, and I'm not, because mine haven't ported over for, for no reason other than somebody in Amazon hasn't pressed the right button. Yeah. And actually trying to get them to press that button was like impossible. It didn't happen. Oh, do you know, I wasn't aware of that. I had no idea that... Uh, I don't know if they fixed it now, but back in the day, it was a huge error. I'm pretty sure they fixed it now. I've seen quite a lot of uh, UK international listings here in Australia from the UK that are very well reviewed. So, um, yeah, but, you know, it's a bit late now, isn't it? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry, I've interrupted you. So... No, you're good. Yeah, so, yeah, I wasn't advantage. selling in, in the US, but the, mm -hmm. the new owners, after I sold the brand in late 2019, mm -hmm. um, probably a year after I sold it, they eventually moved the brand into the into the States. Well, for the new owners, that opportunity would have given them a lot of upside on that deal, right? So It did. Yeah, it meant that there was still room for that for your brand to grow once they'd acquired it. So, yeah, I can see the attraction there. Uh yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, so there is a balance. And this is something I talk about a lot with mm -hmm. e-com brokers is there's a balance to be struck between growing. Buyers want to see you having a strong year on your growth history, mm -hmm. but also there, need, there needs to be opportunities. There still needs to be gas in the tank. That's right. Somewhere for them to go, whether that's international expansion, getting onto new channels, getting to retail or more products that you've launched mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. You need to make sure that there are clear opportunities for them to do something with what you've built. I agree, and you also need to paint that picture for them as well, don't you? You know, saying, "Look, these are yes. these are my plans." Well, these were my yeah. plans had I not decided to sell to you. So, uh, whether you take up my plans or whether you know you execute your own plans, but I'm just saying, you know, these yeah. are the opportunities for you. Um, speaking of products and SKUs, how many SKUs did you have when you exited in 2019? All up? Well, we probably had something like I'm going to say probably something like 15 parent products. Mm -hmm. And then a variety of child variations under them. So there were some products for which there was no variant. So it, it, a jump yeah. rope, right? Yeah. But there were associated accessories with that. Like you could buy a replacement cable for your jump rope. Mm. Uh, and there were some products for which there were size variants. So small, medium, large, extra large, that type of thing. For say, a weightlifting belt yeah. or boxing gloves, different uh, weights of gloves, um, 12 to 16 ounce, 10 to 16 ounce rather. So something like yeah, fifteen parent products and a whole bunch of child variations underneath. I would I would imagine it was something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, did you? Well, I'm sure you probably did, but did, it sounds like you had uh, additional products that you were developing in the pipeline that hadn't been released yet that you were sort of selling those those product ideas Correct. to as, along with the sale as well to to sweeten the deal. Yeah. So hmm. yeah. So alongside the actual share purchase agreement of selling the the company. I negotiated a side deal, and this is something I help people to do now. Mm. It was a profit share agreement on new products that I launched mm -hmm. um, or that the new owners launched that I had developed and would continue to develop. That worked quite well. 
Um, with the benefit of hindsight, I would have tightened that up, and now this is something that we do. Mm. So to to really tie them into actually launching the products, uh-huh. um, mm. rather than you know, so that 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 was frustrating. The pace at which the products were launched did not keep up with what um, it it really ought to have been. Mm. Or what you would have but done. Yeah, that would, mm. exactly. But that was a good mm. thing to include, and it's something that I help people do. Yeah. Yeah. So you've exited in twenty nineteen. Mm. What was next for you sure. after that? I mean, we've got another three years to go, four years almost. Yeah. Well, so what's, uh, what's I been happening business, in between? So I sold the business Halloween 2019. And for a good while after that, I stayed close with the new owners, helping them. Um, I was not contractually obliged to do that, but it was relatively low effort for me to jump on a call every week or two yeah. and uh, give, them, give them advice. The brand did rather well with them initially because the flywheel that I had got spinning was still spinning. And COVID came and a whole bunch of people wanted to buy stuff online and that helped. Unfortunately, as the new owners began to not operate the business how I had and not pay attention to the processes that I put in place, Mm. um, the momentum of the flywheel um, was lost. Mm. Meanwhile, I started working on on several new projects. So the first was e-com brokers. Mm. So the broker that I sold the business through made a catalog of errors, one of which could have cost me a half million dollars. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Um, I'm assuming that, that was you, right. You're not going to tell us who the broker was. No, I'll be Broke kind of yeah. um, But fortunately, I caught that and my accountant and I fixed that. Mm. And we got the deal done and it was all fine. At the end of the process, she and I said, well, the obvious thing to do here is the classic thing is if you're an entrepreneur, which is improve on something. Mm. So Allison has got probably 30 years mergers and acquisitions experience and is a specialized e-commerce accountant. Mm -hmm. I understand how to build and scale e-commerce brands, and I'm still doing it, Mm. which means I have that side of the experience. Mm. And then we brought in John Durkitz, who's our North American deal director. He's ex-Amazon and formerly of one of the big private equity-backed aggregators. So we kind of understand the whole... Every 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 side of the equation, if you like, rather than just being a middleman. Um, so there's e-com brokers. We're, we were founded in the UK, but we're doing deals all over the place. Mm. And then I'm building brands still. So um, I own a sports brand now um, that is uh, actually a partnership between me and a, com- a former competitor of mine. Wow. After, after I sold, he came to me for consulting. I ended up mentoring him. And now he runs the day-to-day of this brand. I put in the startup capital and I mentor him on that brand. That's fun. Yeah, it's great fun. Um, is that an app? Sorry, then, just, just interrupt there. Is that is he just pure e-com or is he marketplace as well like you were? He's, he, so the brand is on Amazon. It's mm-hmm. also on our, on our own website. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's I'm developing a, a brand in the baby space, which mm-hmm. myself and my business partner have been working on for over two years. Wow. This is the product that I was in Vietnam for that I'm manufacturing there. Mm-hmm. We will launch later this year on Kickstarter. I'm excited for uh, that. Why has it taken so long? Thanks. Mm. It's taken so long because it's been a highly technical product development process. Wow. You know, I spent close to 70 grand on the design. Jeez. Um, yeah. <laughs> but what I love is I love a high barrier to entry. Mm. Right? You can't, you can't beat that. Um, and it's also taken a long time because of COVID shutdowns and that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. But we will launch that later this year. But that's a proper product development from scratch, designing, prototyping process rather than take it off the shelf and slap a logo on it. Yeah. 
That's from where um, to go from concept. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that this is a basically a pretty novel idea, an invention of some kind. Is, would that be? The type of product exists, but some of our solutions for it have not existed. And it's got to be developed from scratch, a completely new design. Yeah. Um, so it involves very specific technical drawings. Uh, you, call, you call these things tech packs. Mm. And so, you, you know, you, you create a tech pack, which takes a long time. It has to be ma- made by the manufacturer. You have to then test that prototype, which takes a long time. All yeah. of this is going on different sides of the planet, of course. Yeah. Then you do another one and another one. By the time you've gone through, through five prototypes, it's not surprising it's taken two years. Oh, that's right. And we're about to, to do the next prototype. So that's, that's been a lot of what I've been taking up my time with. And then there's the consulting. So aggregators, private equity back brand portfolios and individuals have, have said, hey, Ben, you seem to know roughly what you're talking about. Can you help us? <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I enjoy doing that. And, and, and I've been speaking. And then more recently, I've been finishing my book. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, mm. Yeah. So I've written a book. Uh, it's almost done. And it's going to be out in October. Mm-hmm. It's called Quit Stalling and Build Your Brand. <laughs> Better read it. Yeah. yeah. I'll send you a copy. So I'm excited for that. It's the book that I wish had existed when I started out. Mm-hmm. It's it's about building a brand. Yes, it talks about marketplaces like Amazon, but it's much more principled rather than being sort of nitty gritty tactics that might go out of date in a month. Mm. And, and there are books like that, and they're fine. They're useful for mm. a month or two. Yeah, This, I, I, I am hopeful, will provide value to people um, even in 5, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Whether you're starting out or whether you're an eight-figure seller, I think that there's nuggets in there for everybody. Yeah, it's funny you should bring that up. I I bought a book way back in 2001 called Make Your Site Sell 2002. That was the name of the book. And in 2001, okay. 2002 was like in the future. So that was – Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I wish I could remember the name of the author. He was a doctor, a medical doctor, but he – um, had the three sort of he he basically had a book that was broken up into three parts about how to um, you know do e-commerce back in two thousand and one, which was almost unheard wow. of. And um, I still refer to that book, particularly around the copywriting and stuff like that. And uh, there's still oh, fun- yeah. fundamental issues or fundamental principles in that book that uh, that I still reflect on and still apply to my yeah. businesses today. It's about applying the classic principles from the likes of Caldini and Seth Godin and Dan Kennedy mm. and the, the the platforms will change, the technology will change, but you can apply the same principles to new technologies and new platforms and whatever is available. And that's part of what I'm talking about in the book. The book is taking you from idea to 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 a, a business that's up and running and, and thinking then even into the future about how you might sell it. Mm. Um, so if you just have an idea and haven't started, I think it'll be helpful. But even if you've started and you're maybe you're a bit stuck and you need some guidance. I think it's it's going to be a helpful book for people. That's awesome. You'll have to wait until October. You mentioned too off air that uh, this Kickstarter project or this crowdfunding project that you're looking at doing later in 2023, you might be going public with that and taking people Absolutely. along for the journey. So what's the, sto- what's the story there? Yeah, so when we launch the Kickstarter, we will go public with this brand, mm-hmm. uh, it, much the same way that, that Adam – uh, Adam Runquist has with with his recent Kickstarter project, mm. which I would encourage people to go look up. It's really cool, and we we're going to do that. And and we're also planning to to publicly educate people in the e commerce space about the whole development process of the entire brand. Mm-hmm. The reason for it is I think as e commerce thought leaders, I think we should be more open about our brand. 
I agree. Um, I get frustrated when I go to conferences or I see people on virtual summits or whatever, and they're talking about in theory this or in theory that, but actually they're not showing us what they've actually done. Mm. And then it's disappointing when I figure out what their brands are and I see what they're actually doing. And then I realize yeah. oh, that's why you haven't told us. Um, <laughs> that's all right. I, even if this, let's just say this project is a complete failure and I fail it and it fails in public. Okay. That's okay. We'll all learn together in public about yeah. how it failed. You know? What's well, the problem? I, you know, look, I had a product that me and my brother launched last, uh, what was it, last year. Um, absolute surefire was going to win. Like this was going to be an absolute cracker. It was a peat moss spreader. It was a quite a large product. Yeah. Uh, and when I first looked at this product, so I'm just going to talk about me for a minute. Go for it. <laughs> when, we, when, when I first started looking at this product, I think it was around, oh, it was probably March of 2022. No, 21, March of 21. And um, it was it was just selling its head off. And there were only three competitors that were selling a peat moss mm-hmm. spreader. It basically just spreads peat moss over your lawn. There's a lot of people into lawn care. Okay. And, um, and they were selling these products for 350 bucks. Right, and two of the sellers didn't even know what they were doing, and one did. One one was a market leader and still is. And I reached out to my my sourcing agent in China and said, "Can you find me one of these things? This peat moss spreader thing?" And she found me a factory, and she gave me the price. It was twenty seven dollars fifty. And to ship these things into an Amazon warehouse was probably about another twenty five bucks. So I'm in mm-hmm. for fifty. Got Amazon fees for FBA around about I think it was forty five. Yeah, you can see the margins on this thing were crazy. And these guys were selling like a quarter of a million dollars each. Like it was just yeah. nuts. So this was just a, you know, put your glasses down. Um, yeah. We got swamped. We got absolutely swamped. Just as we came in, everybody else came in over the top of us and uh, they, a lot of people saw the same opportunity. And yeah, so again, it comes back to what you've been talking about, which is yeah. we weren't really building a brand. We were just chucking something on Amazon that we were pretty sure, you know, low competition, high, you know, the imbalance between and the supply and demand, all that yeah. stuff, and we failed to uh, to do the basics because we we're too busy and lazy. And but yeah. the thing is, it's not to say that I think if you're starting out, I think you should be building a brand because apart from anything else, mm. if you're trying to build a business, the business should be represented by a brand identity. Having said that, if you if you're experienced, you've got the capital, you understand the risks. Yeah, we do. And you spot an opportunity like you did. There's nothing wrong with testing it out and then attempting to build a brand around that. It's not my preferred method, but like I totally, I get it. I can't deny it. Well, here was the thing: was that the only way that we could get in market was with a container load of these things. So we were in for over twenty five thousand dollars after we shipped. Yeah, it's about thirty about thirty grand. But look, in that first month, we. Uh, we turned over about fifty-five grand or something, so we got our money back, and okay. uh, and we're still. I think we've got about 30, 30 units to sell from a container that had about seven hundred units in it, something like that. So uh, you know, we've we've been steadily selling through them, and you know, just getting our money back. In fact, we're in the in the black right now. So, well, there you go. Yeah. So you know, if, if nothing, it was it was a learning experience that oh, even, yeah. even made you a bit of bit of money. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's been all fine. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's all fine. I mean, it's just I'm just saying though that it isn't the classic, you know. Uh, rags to riches kind of story. In fact, it was a bit of a grind and has been to to sort of get this product off our plate. So, we, you know, we're already reloading on some other ideas that we have, and um, yeah, I'm excited for a few few products that we're developing at the moment. It's always nice. fun. Yeah. So after 2023, and you've got this successful Kickstarter project under your belt. So good luck with that. Yeah. Um, uh, what where where are things going to take you from there? Well, um, on that brand, 
here's here's roughly the plan. Uh, we run the Kickstarter at a profit that pays for the the Kickstarter orders, of course, yeah, and to bring hard inventory in to have on on hand for our hard launch. Mm-hmm. And we will also go into retail at this point. Okay. We then run the business on our own for six, 12 months. At that point, we've got a strong track record of a successful Kickstarter being in retail and successfully running ourselves on our own website and Amazon, in theory. Yeah. All going to plan. Mm -hmm. That's when we go to investors to blow the whole thing up. All right. Because I'd rather give away equity in the brand with a bit more of a track record than right now. Yeah. When all I've got is the IP on the on the product. Mm. Um, I'd rather have the IP on the product and look at what we've done. Do you want a piece of this? Then I yeah. can raise more money and give away less. Uh, yeah, so that's the plan. classic, classic um, sh- Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, not Kickstarter. I was going to say Shark Tank stuff, right? Like they're not going to invest. They very rarely invest no. in a business. It's an early stage, you know, yeah. idea. So yeah, without yeah, a proven track completely. record. Mm. So blow that up. Keep helping people uh, realize their dreams with e-com brokers. Um, keep speaking. I really enjoy that. And who knows? Um, maybe I'll be working on book number two. <laughs> I hope so too. I'm dying to yeah. follow along with the Kickstarter project. If I wanted to follow along with that project, how would I do that, Ben? Uh, okay, so that hasn't happened yet, but here's the best thing to do. If you mm-hmm. go to benleonard.pro slash chris, if you go there, you can download oh, yeah. an ebook which has a li- also has a link to a 30-minute video in with some of the best stuff I did to blow up my first brand. Oh. I've been presenting that at conferences across this summer. So benleonard.pro slash chris yep. to get that, right? And then awesome. you'll be then I'll tell you when the Kickstarter launches. That's fantastic. Um, and then the other thing to do mm-hmm. is if you go to benleonard.pro slash book, mm-hmm. you can join the waiting list for the book where you'll get a whole bunch of bonuses, including a a mini course that no one else is going to get. Um, and the book will be out in October. So I'll let you know as soon as you can pre-order it, but the bonuses will be ready before then. So you mm-hmm. can get ready with those uh, before the book comes out. So benleonard.pro slash Chris and benleonard.pro slash book. Mate, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Very generous. And uh, Pleasure. I hope lots of people do that. Uh, include, well, I'll certainly be doing it. That's been amazing, Ben. Thank you so much. What, have you got any other tips that, or uh, you know, brand building tips or anything else that you might want to share before we wrap this up? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, it's all about brand, right? Uh, building a brand that looks and feels and behaves like a legit consumer packaged goods brand, yeah. rather than a side hustle on the internet or just a bunch of stuff. Ask yourself how how your favorite brands make you feel, and what do they do to make you feel that. And replicate that in your brand. Apply it to your niche. Think about what your customers want. Show up for your customers where they are. Provide them with value in a real experience after the sale. And they will keep coming back for more. That is what's going to drive your business forward. It is not going to be a return on investment overnight. It's the compounding effect of consistently showing up. But if you do it now and then look back at it a year later start implementing that type of stuff and it's all in that link benleonard.pro slash chris you will be astounded at how much further ahead you are had you not implemented that mm. yep that's great advice mate thank you so much uh and i'll definitely be downloading uh, all those uh, the tips in the book and everything so thank you um how do we get in touch with you if we wanted to do that sure um email me ben at benleonard.pro 
Yep. Um, all my social handles handles are Ben Leonard Pro. And if you want to talk uh, exit strategy, it's Ben at ecombrokers.co.uk. Easy, mate. That has been amazing. Thank you so much for the chat this evening. My time in the morning, your time there in Aberdeen. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, look forward to catching up in India in a few short months. It's, what is it, three or four months absolutely. to go? Yeah. It's yeah, going to be fun. Thanks for having me. Ah, absolute joy. Thanks again, buddy. No worries. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening.